Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 265 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have our regular contributor, resident philosopher, farmer, and winemaker, among other things, Almighty Todd. And we talk with Almighty Todd about consumption, and that leads to all kinds of good places of discourse. We also have an EW essay by yours truly called Tell Dad, a little Dr. Seuss, Hop on Pop, and a poem titled April Kiss, and all of this will include, for sure, several great tunes. Thanks for being with us. Let's get to it. Episode 265 of Troubadours and Raconteurs.
tell Dad, I talk with people quite often. I enjoy talking with people. In the process of talking with, which involves a lot of listening, I have come to understand a prevailing context from which many, if not most, are deeply rooted in their consciousness. It is hierarchical in structure and overly emotional, immature with regard to what are very often called desired outcomes. We are governed by a desire for approval from those we deem to be in roles of authority, from our peers, and from those we love. This observation might seem so obvious that it sounds silly to mention. I disagree. This proclivity for approval in us leads us away from independence and trailblazing. Instead, we are more prone to abide by what ways are deemed majority normal. Go along to get along. Don't get reprimanded, isolated, arrested, or worse. Get the clan's acceptance. Get material rewards and suppress your urge for more, for other. Ignore it. Stay away from it. Stay away from yourself. We consume these messages through our immersion in human mass culture, which is becoming more streamlined and connected at levels of seeming omniscience as never before experienced and at such a fast rate of conformity. What good can come from this, I wonder? Look, I think that might be a gender-neutral, queer, anti-growth, vegan, atheist pirate. Tell Dad. Could have been a sailor, could have been a cook A real life lover, could have been a book I could have been a signpost, could have been a clock As simple as a kettle, steady as a rock Could be here and now I would be, I should be, but how? I could have been But what are these things first? I could have been Your dog. 
Could've stayed beside you, could've stayed for more. I could've been your statue, could've been your friend. A whole long lifetime could've been the end. I could be oh so true. Should be through and through. I could have been. Almighty Todd, is that you? Hey, Mr. Conundrum, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. It seems like it wasn't so long ago that we, we talked. I know, but the winter's passing into spring. I can tell it's been a while just by the uh, the amount of snow that we don't have anymore here yeah, in, thank in the you. valley. I'm so happy. Thankfully, I'm so happy about it. I mean, I like winter, but it's starting to get to me. You get tired of shoveling? Shoveling and just you know being inside so much, not, and that's the shoveling so much. I think the the, the lack of of sunshine and such. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it affects me. It affects me. It affects, uh, you know, weather affects us. I well, you need, you need the, the sunshine. It's one of the things you've got to consume. That's right. Right, exactly. And beautiful segue. We're going to talk about consumption. Thank you for, for serving that one up. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Almighty Todd, our resident philosopher here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Also, a farmer and a winemaker, uh, giving him a call at his place in Stockbridge, Vermont. He's exclusively, I have him to a long-term contract on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. And uh, we are going to talk today about how what we consume physically intellectually, visually, and otherwise, affects us. How we interact with the world, how we view the world, and so on. So let's get started. Uh, do you believe, Almighty Todd, that what we consume physically influences our behavior? Uh, I'd say you can't help but do that. Um, and maybe we're still working on the, the direct pathways, but certainly in indirect ways, it, the, the influence is, is grand, I would say. As someone who has kind of been a long-term student of nutrition and uh, physical fitness and, you know, in working in my own training and working with other people, uh, to see the differences um, in what you put in your body to fuel it. And build it because, I mean, this is the amazing thing about the sensory world and, and, you know, just consumption of our reality in general. But that, you know, uh, our visual plane of existence, we're actually taking, you know, reflected light waves and interpreting them into our, you know, a three-dimensional representation of our external reality. And right. when we when we hear stuff... We're taking vibrations in, again, another energy wave in and interpreting it and building some understanding of our world with that. With touch, you know, you're kind of – it's a a tactile uh, – one of my senseis calls it the skin, the original brain Mm. in evolution. That that, There's just a way to um, apprehend the world through touch if you allow yourself to be sensitive. Enough, but with uh, smell, which is a really powerful one, we <clears throat> actually interpret molecules from out in the world. We take molecules into our body; they stick in our nose, which is why we have to blow it every once in a while. Um, <clears throat> but they, they stick in our nose, and our body maps to our brain a recognition of that molecule, not just about what it quote-unquote smells like but a whole bunch of other sensory stuff gets packaged with it which is why a a smell can send you back to your grandmother's kitchen when you were just a little kid that kind of potency Mm -hmm. so then Mm -hmm. with taste the other sense it's not just a sense that's the that's the pie hole through which we actually take matter from outside of the world in the world and process it not just to fuel us with calories but we actually build the very structure of our body out of that stuff you know what goes in there some of that is replacing atomic and molecular structures inside your body and waste you know stuff that doesn't work in your body anymore is being sent out 
so the what we eat is is fundamentally the fabric of our physical existence so you know on a grand scale it's like it it has to have an effect beyond what we can even understand and probably don't pay enough attention to but uh you know i i just from today I've been eating. I eat pretty well. I, just, I exercise, but every once in a while, you know, I didn't bring enough for lunch today, and I had to run an errand. And I was like, I don't really need more, you know, another lunch or more food. So I just grabbed a package of of uh, peanut butter cups. And, you know, <laughs> I love pleasure. Them. I love them. You know, there's something about them. It, it it hit me today that they're still too sweet for me, and it was after I got like this. I don't know. About eight minutes later, ten minutes later, this just this. Rush, where, where I was just like, ooh, I'm a little bit lightheaded, all of a sudden, and it, you know, it took a minute or so for what really felt like that. Um, I mean, that stuff hits your stomach. It's pure sugar. It, it, you know, it's not even getting to your large intestine. It's, you know, it's being processed right there. Some of it's, you know, it, it gets used up early in the system, so it makes it into right. into the bloodstream pretty quick. And I was like, wow. Like, but I don't have a lot of that stuff, so it's, uh, you know, I guess I could be sensitive to it for not eating it regularly. But if I did, you know, I can't imagine what my system would be like if, if I was fueling it on that a good portion of the time. Yeah, it, it would not be as good as, uh, you know, I'm pretty certain it is given, you know, how healthy you, you do eat most of the time. Uh, and the tastes too. I think the more you eat the real salty and sugary stuff, you're not so sensitive to it as it seems you were eating that peanut butter cup. Right. You know, you're like, yeah. wow. Well, because it's a, such an overload. Right. Of, but of, of what our system is really, uh, really built for. And the thing is, though, with the sugar, you get like there's like a little dopamine right. hit that comes down too, and so that kind of factors into all of our consumption and you know are, are we really consuming consuming because we want to or because we're kind of at the behest of uh you know part of the monkey brain i think i'm uh, totally ruled by my monkey brain <laughs> it's getting out of hand to be honest with you yeah i hear you speak uh about how affected we are uh by what we consume and i like the way you you included you kind of broaden the the uh, idea ideas uh, that uh, can be associated with consume when you were talking about taking in uh, visual and and audio and and touch uh, the, you know consuming and processing those stimuli wonderful I love it uh, but yeah the food in particular you know after a while and I think our society is gear gears uh, itself to get us almost trapped in the web of consumption yeah bad consumption slave like consumption well consumption in general is the biggest part of our gdp gross domestic product yeah yes so which is why you know they tell you when they want you to go out and buy buy stuff well yeah and and, and well you you go to someone who's a vegan for example you know most of the time I, people that i know at least in articles i've read uh, that come from the, a vegan perspective, it's not just about physical health, though it is. It's also, uh, you know, about mental health, spiritual health. You know, uh, often uh, the the belief is that 
if you eat bad foods, in particular meat, uh, you are, are going to have it's going to have an, a, in their view a negative influ- influence on on your and your your whole outlook, your 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 being. Well, and that's if you're th- if you're thinking about where it's coming from and how it's being handled, and you know some people say you can't trust where it's coming from, so you can't be involved in that particular part of the food stream. Well, uh, not just that. Also, I think. For- Definitely. I mean, psychologically, in terms of, you know, your ethical, moral concerns. But I also have read and have heard firsthand uh, a vegan a vegan saying that they believe it, it messes with your chemical makeup when you eat uh, f- meat. It makes you more aggressive, perhaps. Uh, it it, um, it, it uh, is not a, a calming sort of... Uh, experience or influence on, a, on an individual. Well, you know, and that's where that's the particular point on an individual, because I, I really do think that all of us have very different uh, body chemistries and makeups in how we our met- metabolics work, and so it really has to be a case by case basis. I, you know, I, I can't get on with the blanket. That it, it's the same for everybody, because I've I've eaten in a bunch of different ways through my life, and what I'm right at now is kind of like a healthy, what I think is a healthy diet, but it's a, a broad diet, um, and with you know it's got a lot of grains and vegetables, has some meat, fish, when you can afford it, um, and then you know lesser of the things that are at the top of the pyramid, like the you know too much salt and sweet and fat although i do lean a little bit more into the fat and i do have i have seen some research uh recently that um really we may have been underdoing the amount of fat because it's a really especially when people are young because it's a really critical component in building up the nervous system the sheathing of the neurons right so so too little fat is not a good thing i I know somebody who's a, a bako vegan up here who, what is uh, what? What kind of clarification is that? It's just, she's she's really vegan, but she 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 has to eat bacon. If, oh, if there's if there's bacon. Around. <laughs> uh, so the, the, you know, it's like everybody's got to figure out for themselves what works right. for them. But I think the thing is, those are you know any of those systems of thought about eating are really. Um, they should be guidelines, but it's the point is of any of them or that looking at a few of them is that it gets you to be us to be more conscious about our patterns of consumption so that we're more making choices than having things put in front of us or letting ourselves be put in positions where we don't have a lot of choice and we're kind of served up whatever's near at hand. Um, really being co- conscious about that process of what it is that we're putting into our body. So, I mean, I was in, introduced to macrobiotics a long time ago, um, and from a, it's from a extension of basically of Eastern medicine, and because diet is a big portion of how they deal with, with ailments uh, there. You know, a lot of it is done through diet and herbal medicine with then acupuncture and surgery being the very last, you know, resort. Are, we talk, are you talking in China? Yeah, or just in, generally in Eastern in Asia. Yeah, Eastern Asia. Yeah, in traditional medicine cultures um, that I think blend pretty well with the Western medicine from the people's experiences that I've 
spoken to. But uh, anyways, sliding off on a, a tangent there, um, the, the, the thing is we, we don't spend enough time being conscious about this process. And I think this is where it lines up with that. Um, you know, there's the food pyramid of how you should eat, and I think that, that even that's being revamped right now. Um, but th- it's just as a concept that there's certain stuff that should be the broad base of your diet and support the majority of it and then other supporting factors and then there's stuff that you probably shouldn't eat so much of and then there's stuff that you really should just make it be a, a treat like candy like the yeah the the peanut butter cups you were talking right. about like you know maybe that shouldn't be you know the everyday treat or even once a week for all I know maybe it's maybe it is only the once a week treat as opposed to a couple days during the week but you know as a choice um, because it's it's how we engage in the world. You know, we only have so much time to be here, and so we want to, you know, make all the quality of it be good, not just well, you know, chow down the sandwich, you know, without thinking about it so I can get to go do something else. There's a there's kind of a a privilege, frankly, given how many people don't have access to food on this planet, to actually being able to sit down and eat something. Well, don't you think, though, people truly enjoy sitting down and having a cheesesteak mm. with, with uh, you know, gr- the, fries and gravy? The, and the, big the cafe in town where I go and grab lunch, they have a, a cheesesteak special with fries on the side. Right. And I love that thing. But I, ha- I have to say I only do it like once every two weeks now. <laughs> Well, yeah, (laughs) metabolically, it's probably difficult, especially as you get older. And if you're not used to it, you know, it's it's hard to metabolize that. It's hard to digest that. Yeah, or you just start eating, you know, about the same amount during the day, but in smaller, you know, smaller bunches, um, smaller munches, I mean. And uh, again, it comes down to finding finding out what works for each of us and then realize that that's also an arc of change and being able to. As you age? As we age, yeah. Or, or yeah, as or as we grow older, if you're a really young person. Now, let me ask you about consumption intellectually and visually. We're talking about, you know, uh, food, and we all, you also talked about stimuli uh, that comes to our our eyes, ears, nose, and skin. Now, what about our intellectually, visually? Uh, you know how how what we see and hear and and allow ourselves to to take in affects our outlook, our behavior in day-to-day? Well, that was another interesting thing because when it was, again, back to the macrobiotics, it was many years ago when I was introduced to that, it was in a period of uh, kind of Eastern thought studies. And this idea of that you are what you consume was meant to be ascribed on all levels and you know in that time it's you're not so much worried about the internet at that point it was mostly movies television books radio in terms of the the ways that it was you could absorb information from the world which you know now we're starting to talk about that more as like something we really have to we have to deal with as a reality because of the way the information comes at us smartphones but, and such yeah yeah hang on i gotta i gotta check mine right now you are listening to Troubadours and Rockon Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. 
<laughs> sorry. No. Did you get uh, that tweet you were hoping to get? You know, um, no, I'm blocked. Um, uh, <laughs> the real Donald Trump blocked you? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, so, so anyway, so yeah, so a few weeks ago I came across this uh, really cool image of a suggested media diet. And it uh, does the same thing as the pyramid uh, for, the, for the food pyramid. Mm. And it, it really was pretty cool because at the bottom, it had stuff like reading books, having chats with real people, taking in art, theater, you know, going outside, you know, being in the real world as the most. Yeah. And then it said, then after that, you can spend, you know, like your next band, is, they suggest three hours because that's, that's actual, actualization type stuff that's going on. It's it's very much here here now. So then there's edification. So they described you could spend three hours on edification, which was um, hobbies, reading nonfiction, reading good quality journalism, uh, which is part of it because that's like what is real quality journalism? It means you're reading a wide array of high quality production. Um, so then they say maybe two hours of, of something that's participatory, doing like shows that or movies that you really want to watch, playing games, making a choice about what it is that you're consuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one on maybe another hour on interaction, which is kind of like uh, chats, you know, uh, comments on on uh, um, comment boards below articles. You know, email chains, things like that, and then consumption. They're saying that you should probably be a little bit more careful here and spend as little, spend less time a day on kind of the Facebook, CNN, Twitter, New York Post, YouTube, which is kind of a heavy social media driven and kind of rolling news consumption. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're not, was in some of these platforms, you're not really. You're constrained, really, in what's being put in front of you, you're, and you're not making a choice. You know, when we we know everybody knows now that the Facebook algorithm doesn't necessarily it feeds you what it thinks it ought to feed you mm-hmm. for purposes that it may not be in our own best interest. Mm-hmm. So, and you're definitely not seeing everything that's going on. You really got to like go and look up the people that you're interested in in order to see what's going on there because you're not getting all the news from them. So you have to work a little bit harder if you're on that platform to really make choices versus having stuff that's dropped in front of you. And then they really say that stuff that's bad for you is stuff that's kind of info toxic, like reading, you know, reading the tabloids, essentially. Right, right. Stuff that just it really is not going to do anything useful for you, and if anything is maybe killing your brain cells. Yeah, but that's the real salty. That's the real sugary stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Exactly. The stuff that's really tempting because we get that dopamine drop from it, even though it's right. not necessarily good for us. And it's easy. You don't yep. have to go and cl- it's immediate. Take, yeah, it's immediate. It's not like when you're cooking a great meal, you have to buy fresh vegetables and clean them, you know, uh, wash them, prepare them. It takes time. Where the, the, the salty, sweet stuff, you just drive through, throw down a couple bucks, grab it, unwrap it, suck it, suck it down your gullet. <laughs> you know, yeah, and you know that uh, that that that's the problem, I think. You know, and we 
we are you mentioned our monkey brains you know the the that maybe are driving us too much when it when it comes to following those impulses you know um, early early on you know we were less developed as as a species and we're more apt to to be more impulsive hopefully we've evolved but are we are we getting going to a point now? We're getting to a point now where we're devolving or morphing into something that's not so healthy. And and how do, how do we break away from the, the, this? It's it's the mass culture. You know, it's entrenched to a great extent, especially where we live here in the United States of America. How do we how do we break away from these nefarious ways? Yeah, I I hear you, and I it it, it we I think we are evolving to a certain degree, but like physically. We're still a much older creature than the world we've built up around us. So we're in a way we're already living in a sort of virtual reality or an enhanced reality because some of the realities that we did evolve under over a very long period of time this is provided that you believe that we've evolved and that we have the potential to evolve um but that the the framework around us is a lot different. So we're st- we're kind of the brain is is using more of its capacity in different ways now than it was evolved for. But it's a, that part is adapting to this social construct that we're building up around us. But the body is still pretty much this, you know, a lot of the same equipment that we've had for quite a long time, like tens of hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, so the, the thing is, we're, that's the challenge is that we're, our world is kind of getting out of sync with where we are and we need to figure out how to na- how to navigate it in a way that keeps us you know mentally and spiritually healthy as well as physically healthy in the in the real world because we still have to navigate it we can't it's it's hard to be crossing the street and be thinking about something else that you're supposed to be doing and realize you're about to not you know get hit by a bus because you're just not there so you're the saying keeping keeping in touch with reality you know but Sort of uh, in your sense of where and how you want to uh, develop as a as a person, it, it needs to be more progressive. But sometimes those progressive ideas that you're pursuing in terms of behavior uh, choices uh, in the way you you exist day to day, uh, intellectual, spiritual, moral based, ethical choices, uh, though those are sort of ideals. Maybe also not that easy to attain. You can't avoid the 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 traffic of everyday reality now. No, but you, you again, we can choose how we're interacting with it. And there was a great interview I heard with a woman who um, wrote a book called "How to Break Up with Your Cell Phone." And heard about, uh, yeah. you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, Catherine Price was her name. And helping people to think about reframing about it, you know, it's not that you are really breaking up with the cell phone. You just want to re- re-establish how the relationship is with it, so that you're spending more time on your life than in the phone. Mm-hmm. And so we, because we, we know this is a problem, because again, the phone, you know, gives us every time you hear a bing or whatever, you know, you have a text or you just won. You know, forty thousand coins on. I don't know. I don't. I don't play any of the games, so I don't even have an example. But but, but it's I, Pavlovian. Yeah. Um, so it's there to pull us in. So she, you know, she came up with some things to think about it. You know, you're spending more time in your life if you're not spending your time on the phone, 
and give yourself the permission to say, you know, what do you want to pay attention to? And, you know, you can cr- create triggers. Put some – one of the things was a uh, speed bump where you put – just put a uh, rubber band around the phone or put an interesting lock screen on it, you know, lock screen image that will make you stop for a moment and say, okay, do I need to do this right now? Right. Or uh, another thing is – and this is something I've been doing for years now since I've had a smartphone is to pay attention to my body when I'm using it because it's real easy when you're holding your phone to, to end up crouching over and leaning, hunching over the phone. You see it, people, all the time. And so I tend to – if I'm really going to be on it for a while, I found a way where I can put my elbows on my chest, bring them in, and hold the phone up in front of my face. But I'm not, I'm not giving up my posture at all. Why is that important? Because I sit at a desk for a lot of the time already, which is a, a posture challenge. And, um, and you know, for the arts that I practice, I, I want to stay fit. And that kind of basically – it's not even repetitive use. It's non-use postural fixation creates all kinds of muscle problem, you know, muscle spastic problems and fascial buildup and puts pressure on bones in the way that they aren't really supposed to be working. The way so using our smartphone is going to screw us up physically as well. Oh, yeah. As, I, I'm willing to psychologically, bet chiropractors and physical therapists you know, for, are going to be making bank on this for generations until the next, uh, development. The next, the next de- development, which I wanted to bring up, is virtual reality. Right. Uh, I heard a guy who's an expert in, in VR and does you know develops in it and studies it quite a bit. He's got a young kid who he's shown it to, but only for very short periods of time, under supervision and on something like a, a riding on a swing or a monkey bar. It was like really simple, safe because you know putting that headset on. I haven't done it yet. I haven't had the opportunity. Um, but I'm going to make the conscious choice about when I'm going to do that, but I'm not planning on getting one for the house anytime soon. Uh, but it's a very, very strong visual, visceral reaction of presence. Oh my God. In another space that, you know, if you, they put you on the log over the, over the, uh, the abyss, you are going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay. And you know, it's well, we'll be a bunch of pods. We'll just be sitting around with these things right. on our heads. Yeah. Well, they're not the moving. Yeah, well, they suck the energy off of you in the uh, yeah, hook like, you up to like an the IV. matrix. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So, well, but, but the point is, is that it, it it's also com- potentially a very compelling space to be in, even more so than the phone is. And so, you know, it's we may be in a position where a truly alternate reality is the reality that's shaping our brain. That's. Uh... That's some heavy, heavy stuff there. I, I don't, I don't know if we have enough time to continue with it here. You got, you got, you got me depressed uh, <laughs> a little bit about where we're going uh, <laughs> regarding consumption. Sorry about but, that. No, that's all right. Um, so, do you have any suggestions uh, for for the listeners as to you know how we can consume uh, in a healthier manner overall? In a, you know, in a, in a little snippet of insight. Uh. Uh, you, you got to want to want to do it. You want to be able to say that that's part of your independence as a free, free person, as a free being, is to be able to make the choice to live a more conscious life about what it is that builds our life. Whether it be the food we put in our mouth, the people that we listen to, the things that we watch. It's uh, 
it's, this is our one one chance to do this. So, you know, just be sure you 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 know what you're going to eat next. When you say to do this, you mean this thing called life? called life. That's it. You know. Well, thanks again, our resident philosopher, Almighty Todd. It's always a pleasure talking with you, and I look forward to seeing you. I'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks. You're coming down to visit. Oh, yes, that's right. I'm, I will be coming through, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you too, and I'll, uh, I'll have a couple of bottles of wine for you, I think. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. I look forward to it. All right. Take care, brother. You too, brother. Dr. Seuss, a.k.a. Theodore Geisel, hop on pop. Up, pup. Pup is up. 
cup, pup, pup in cup. Pup, cup, cup on pup. Mouse, house, mouse on house. House, mouse, house on mouse. All tall, we all are tall. All small, we all are small. All ball, we all play ball. Ball, wall, up on a wall. All fall, fall off the wall. Day, play, we play all day. Night, fight, we fight all night. He, me, he is after me. Him, Jim, Jim is after him. C, B, we see a B. C, B, three, now we see three. Three, tree, three fish in a tree. Fish in a tree, how can that be? Red, red, they call me red. Red, bed, I am in bed. Red Ned Ted and Ed in bed. Oh, what dread to those who hate the gays. Pat, Pat, they call him Pat. Pat sat, Pat sat on hat. Pat cat, Pat sat on cat. Pat bat, Pat sat on bat. No, Pat, no, don't sit on that. Cactus. Sad, dad, bad, had. Dad is sad, very, very sad. He had a bad day. What a day Dad had! Thing, thing. What is that thing? Thing, sing. That thing can sing. Song, long. A long, long song. Goodbye, thing. You sing too long. Walk, walk. We like to walk. Walk, talk. We like to talk. Hop, pop. We like to hop. We like to hop. On top of pop, stop! You must not hop on pop. Mr. Brown, Mrs. Brown, Mr. Brown upside down, pup up, Brown down, pup is down. Where is Brown? Where is Brown? There is Brown. Mr. Brown is out of town. Seesaw, back. Plaque. Brown came back. Brown came back with Mr. Black. Snack, snack, eat a snack, eat a snack with Brown and Black. Jump, bump. He jumped. He bumped fast, past. He went past fast. Went, tent, sent. He went into the tent. I sent him out of the tent. He doesn't have his fair share of the rent. Wet, get. Two dogs get wet. Help, yelp. They yelp for help. Hill, will. Will went uphill. Will, hill, still. Will is uphill still. Father, mother, sister, brother. That one is my other brother from another mother, perhaps. My brothers read a little bit. Little words like if and it. My father can read big words too, like Constantinople and Timbuktu. Say, say, what does this say? See, he, me, we, pat, pop, pop. He, three, tree, be, top, hop, stop. Ask me tomorrow, but not today.
April Kiss. Jelly beans in the front pocket of my tight jeans. I put my right hand deep down inside to gather a few 
for you. They are warm and a bit sticky. They smell almost as sweet as they taste in your mouth. I enjoy your tongue as it enjoys mine. episode 265 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our resident philosopher, Almighty Todd. I'd also like to thank Theodore Geisel, a.k.a. Dr. Seuss, and these wonderful musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, The Rolling Stones, Nick Drake, Wilco, Beck, Lucy Dacus, and Branford Marsalis, Terence Blanchard, too. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, enjoy this one.